Today's sermon text is from Mark. Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. Mark chapter, uh, chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. This is God's holy word. Let's pay attention to it. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf, uh, who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him and taking him aside from the crowd privately. He put his fingers into his ears, and after speaking, touched his tongue, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it, and they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Okay. This is a story that we are quite familiar with. Jesus heals the deaf man. The Jewish tradition forbids the Jews from any kind of dealings with the Gentiles, especially at the time of Jesus. It doesn't mean that the Jews never traveled to any Gentile areas. It means that they would not greet Gentiles or give help to them, nor receive help from them. Using our modern language, the Jews at the time of Jesus sound like racists. Just being a Jew makes one feel much privileged over, over any other race in the world. You know, to be counted as a Jew, you must have a pure blood, which means both the husband's side and the wife's side, they never intermarried with, with the Gentiles. And being a Jew also means that he has a rightful possession of the law, the covenant, and all the promises of God to Abraham. So, it is a big deal to be a Jew. As we can see, that being a Jew has become the most important thing, as it is uh, because it is the only qualification to receive God's blessings. Gentiles are considered as sinners and outsiders of God's blessings. That's why the Jews would not associate with the Gentiles, lest they, be, they themselves may become unclean. So this is the dominant culture amongst Jews at the time of Jesus. Knowing that, and you will see, you, when we read our passage, you will see, hey, it's a big deal for a Jew to go into the region of the Gentiles. 
although this is a dominant, uh, dominant culture among the Jews, Jesus is an exception. He seemed to break all the traditions of Israel for the sake of the gospel. He went into the places of the Gentiles. He associated with them. He heard their request, and he even did great things for them. It is a shocking thing in the eyes of the Jews, and even an abomination in the eyes of the Pharisees and the scribes. Yet, Jesus, knowing all his Jewish culture and traditions, still entered the region of the Gentiles, so that the Gentiles can receive the grace of God. This is what we have seen in our previous, uh, previous passage last week, and this is also what we are to see in our passage tonight. So, in this passage, we'll, we, we see three things. First, we see Jesus' heart for the Gentiles. Second, Jesus' mercy upon the Gentiles. Third, Jesus paid a price for the benefit of the Gentiles. Let's see the first point. Jesus' heart for the Gentiles. The first verse shows us a journey map of Jesus. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. According to the information Mark gives us here, we can find out the most, the most likely route Jesus took to return to the Sea of Galilee. When we hear the Sea of Galilee, we tend to think that, or tend to think this is the, the west part of the Sea of Galilee, which is also the west side of the Jordan River. That means the west side of the Sea of Galilee is part of the Promised Land, a Jewish area. So when we hear the Sea of Galilee, that's our first, you know, and first first thought. Oh, it's there. Almost, almost all of Jesus' ministry happened in the west side of the Sea of Galilee. That's true. But here, Jesus returned to, to the east side of the Sea of Galilee, which is in the region of the Decapolis. The word Decapolis means ten cities because this region consists of ten Gentile cities and nine of them are on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. So you know where Jesus was at that time? On that side. Not in Jewish area, but on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. In order for Jesus to get to the east side of the Sea of Galilee, there are two options. The easiest way to, is to go to the part of the Sea of Galilee that is nearest to the region of Tyre. So Tyre is here, and the nearest part of Galilee is here. So Jesus can come to this part and then take a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee to get to the east side of the Galilee. But the second route is very long, and Jesus should go through more Gentile regions, such as Damascus and the uh, Caesarea Philippi. And he must also go through other cities of the Decapolis to reach the east side of the Sea of Galilee. 
But Mark's description shows that Jesus took the longer route. That means Jesus intentionally chose to go through more Gentile regions according to this journey map. And also, the region of Decapolis sounds very familiar. In chapter 5, the man out of whom Jesus cast many demons went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. In that story, Jesus was rejected from the entrance into the town because of what happened to the man and to, and to the 2,000 pigs. Although Jesus journeyed into a Gentile area, on that day was short-lived. The name of Jesus actually got spread over in the region of, of, of the Decapolis by the man's testimonies. In our passage, Jesus finally came, came to the region of the Decapolis, which he intended to go long, uh, in the past. I think this information is important for us to understand Jesus' heart toward the Gentiles and here toward the people in the Decapolis. Jesus could have come to where he is now. Uh, Jesus could have come to where he, where he is now before if he had not been rejected by the people of the town in Gerasenes. Mark here emphasizes that the Sea of Galilee is in the region of the Decapolis. He reminds us that Jesus never forgets the people in this region. Even he was rejected before. It seems that Jesus picked up where he left off last, last time. And then it makes a lot of sense why Jesus did not take the boat to come here. Instead, he went through a massive Gentile area to arrive at the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. Because if Jesus took the boat, he would probably be rejected again as before. So Jesus continued his journey to more Gentiles. It's because it is his heart to reach the Gentiles in this area. Now, let's see our second point. We have seen Jesus' heart toward the Gentiles. That's why he made massive route to come to this area. Now we will see the second point. Jesus' mercy upon the Gentiles. After Jesus arrived at the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis, people brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. It is implied that Jesus was easily recognized by the people in that region. Otherwise, they would not have brought the deaf to Jesus. Here, we see a good and positive result from the testimony of the man, uh, of the man out of whom Christ uh, Jesus cast many demons. Right? How did they know Jesus' name because of that testimony? But at the same time, we also see the insufficiency of the testimony, like the situation of the deaf. He cannot hear. No matter how hard that man, you know, were doing testimonies by his uh, by speaking, this man, the deaf person, would never hear that. The fact that he was brought to Jesus shows that he never heard of Jesus. 
we see a stark contrast between the deaf man and the people. The people are responsive and excited about Jesus' presence among them. But the deaf man, he could not make any response to what happened. And he might be clueless when he was brought to Jesus. Who is this man before me? I've never known him. If the dead man be left to himself, he would remain deaf till his death. But thank God that he has some people who really loved him and cared for him. The people brought him to Jesus and begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. And we don't know who these people or who these people are. This information is not important. But what these people did to the deaf man is important. They brought them to Jesus and begged on behalf of the deaf man because he could not speak for himself. That's all they did, and that's all they could do. There is an interesting thing in their asking. They begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. Because in that culture, it is believed among the Gentiles that laying hands could transfer the power of healing. So it shows that although they had faith in Christ, their faith is not that mature. Yeah, they might think that healing only occurs in this way. So Jesus should also use this way to heal, to heal this man. But it doesn't matter how great their faith is. What really uh, matters is to bring the deaf man to Christ. That is what really matters. Because of that, the man has an opportunity to see Jesus and receive grace from him. Brothers and sisters, what the people did to the deaf man is what we are supposed to do. The people in our passage they are the people of faith. So are we. There are many spiritual deaf people around us. They never heard of Jesus. You know, we can do what the people in our passage did to the deaf man. But for us, we have a better way. Since Christ has finished his work of salvation, we don't need to bring a man to a certain place to meet Jesus. Instead, we can bring Christ to people anywhere through open up their hearts to save them in whatever way he, uh, whatever way that he is pleased with. And you know that is all we can do. This is how we spread the gospel. This is how we share the good news with people. Bring the Jesus to them through the gospel message and pray for them. That's all you we can do. We leave the rest of the things to Jesus. The people in our mad passage, so they did that. And Jesus answered that request. That's that's the key. But he did it in his own way. Jesus first took him aside. And instead of laying his hand on him, Jesus put his fingers into his ears. And he spat and tucked his tongue. 
And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Be open. It is interesting that the healing process is way more complicated than the laying of the hands. There is no doubt that Jesus could even heal him by a mere word, right? Just like how he healed the daughter of, of uh, the daughter of the Syrophoenician woman. Jesus could do that. And, Jesus, and laying hands is a lot easier, but Jesus chose another way. But why did Jesus bother himself with actual work? This shows the sovereignty and authority of Jesus. Mark wants us to see that this Jesus is God. So he can do whatever he sees fit. And his power is not confined to any sort of method. In other words, Jesus is free to use any method he is pleased with. And whatever method Jesus uses, it is the same divine power that is at work. But at the same time, this healing method reveals the humanity of Jesus as well. In our passage, Jesus prayed and sighed and then said to the man, be opened. So in this healing process, we see a full picture of the person of Christ. He is God. Yes, he can heal. He can do miracles. At the same time, he is also a person like us, but without sin. Why that's important? Most times, we tend to put much emphasis on the deity of Christ. But the fact is that the humanity of Christ is as important as his deity. Jesus prayed shows that his work and life in this world are dependent on his Father. And he does all things by the power of the Holy Spirit. His side shows that he sympathizes the misery of the man. And he knows his life because he has become a man before himself. And he suffered. So just like Hebrews 4.15 tells us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. This is good news. He is not a God who doesn't know anything about us. He is a God that, that, that knows our suffering, our weaknesses. Because of Christ's humanity, He knows the best way to help a needy person. We often see Jesus use, uh, we often see Jesus use specific method for a specific person according to His specific situation. In our modern language, we, we would say uh, it is customized. Jesus knows why he should help a person in a certain way. He knows. We do not know. <laughs> For instance, Jesus healed the leprosy by touching. Healed the paralytic by mentioning the forgiveness of his sin. He healed the little girl by the word of his power according to the mom's faith. And he healed the deaf man here by touching his ears and tongue. We always hope that God would do exactly what we ask. Isn't it? If, if we are very sick, we pray that God would miraculously heal us. 
that's the way we want. If we have a hard life, we pray that God will just remove all the difficulties right away. It is not wrong to ask Jesus to help us in a certain way, just like the people here asked Jesus to heal the deaf man by laying his hand on him. But please remember, if God does not do what we have asked, He will use another way that is perfectly customized for us. We may not always understand His way, but we can still trust in Him because He's a sovereign and mighty God. And, all, and also, we, we know He understands our pains and weaknesses. So, the way Jesus healed the deaf man shows that Jesus knows his problem. And his healing is, and also he showed the man that his healing is by the God of Israel. That is, that is grace to, to a Gentile here. And now we come to our last point. Jesus paid the price for the benefit of the Gentiles. In our, in our case, Jesus paid the price for healing him. After healing the deaf man, Jesus charged the people not to tell this to anyone. The word charge turns the statement into a serious command. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. It is natural for us to ask two questions. Why did Jesus not allow people to spread the miracle? Second question is, why did these people do not listen to Jesus? They still proclaim it. Even after Jesus' uh, serious charge. For the first question, I think it is because of the timing. Although Jesus' Jesus's ministry extended to some Gentile, Gentile areas, it is not the right timing for full-fledged ministry to the Gentiles. And also, it is not Jesus' priority to preach to the Gentiles, as he was sent only to the sheep of Israel. So, it is necessary for Jesus to keep hidden among the Gentiles at that moment. So, but Jesus coming to the Gentiles area and, and healing Gentiles lets let us see it's, it's, it's a sheer grace of God. It is an, it's, it's also an indicator that the Gentiles are also included in God's plan of salvation. But this plan will not be fully carried out until Christ's resurrection. After that, we hear the Great Commission from Jesus' mouth in Matthew 2019, right? 2019. And the prophecy in Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The full-fledged ministry to the Gentiles will be carried out after Jesus finished his plan of salvation. For the second question, why did these people still proclaim it after Jesus' charge? Mark does not give us the answer. And he doesn't even seem to invite us 
to ask this question. The reason we should not ask, ask such a question is because it is just impossible to keep everyone silent about such big news. It is human nature to talk about news with others, isn't it? You know, even, even a good friend, when you ask him to keep your secret, may still tell it to others. So it's, it's, it's human nature. So that's why Mark doesn't invite us to ask this question. Does Jesus know this result? Yes. Jesus knew this result even before he healed the deaf man. So that's what, what is beautiful. When you know the result, can you still do it? And also, we say, did Jesus help to heal the deaf man? Of course not. So, for Jesus, he could have not healed the man, and so to avoid all the unnecessary things. But Jesus made a choice to heal the man. As a result, it cost him. It cost much to Jesus, as he may not be able to walk publicly around the Gentile areas. It, is, it just made it harder for Jesus to do the work that is, related, that is related to the Gentiles. In fact, our whole passage is a forecast of the gospel. What we see in our passage is that Jesus went into the region of the Gentiles. He had mercy upon a deaf man, and he delivered him from the bondage of his sickness. And above all, everything Jesus did to the Gentiles is a great cost to him, as he will be accused and hated and rejected by his own people. Yet Jesus is willing to pay the price to let the Gentiles have some benefits, mainly healing at that time from him. But one day, Jesus will pay a greater price to let the Gentiles receive the full benefit from him. And that is the grace of salvation. And the greater price is Christ's own, Christ's own life. For we were bought with a price, 1 Corinthians 6.20, and, and we were ransomed with his precious blood, 1 Peter 1.19. Dear brothers and sisters, this is a gospel we have received, and we, we proclaim it, week in and week out. And Jesus' heart is to let the whole world hear the gospel so that, the, so that those who belong to him will be gathered under the care of the great shepherd. Let us, let us grow in our knowledge of Christ's heart by studying his word. And, and we will please him by our obedience of his word. Let's pray. Our dear Lord,